Church Project. I'm clapping. Okay, all right. We can clap. That's all right. Welcome. I'm glad that you're here today. If, if you're a first-time guest, uh, just enjoy yourself. We uh, have been going through the book of James, and this is what we do at Church Project. Just a, just a little bit at a time, we go through verse by verse. It's called expository teaching. And so we're in no rush to get through the book of James or the Bible. Uh, we're going to keep preaching it and just take our time. So if you have a Bible, you can open up to James chapter 2, verses 10 through 13. If you do not own a Bible, there are Bibles in the rows and there's Bibles on, on the lamps on either side. And you can open up that blue Bible to page 699. So in the blue Bibles, we'll be on page 699. And uh, if you just have your own Bible, open it up to James chapter 2, verses 10 through 13. Hey, we're glad that you're here today. Look around. There are a bunch of good people here. Good looking people here. Everywhere we look, good looking people. So glad you're here. Hey, I want to talk a little bit just about Church Project. One of the things that, that we're able to do at Church Project is this is what drives us. We do our Sunday gatherings, so welcome, you're part of that. Uh, we also do our house churches, and we've had men gathering together and praying for that and talking about house churches and what that looks like in the future. So church, be praying for house churches. And, and by the way, if you're not part of a house church, get to be part of one. We'll talk about that later. And then the third thing that we do is ministry partnerships. I love our ministry partnerships. Now, a portion of everything that we give, in fact, last year, I think it was 26, 36% of everything that came in into that little tithe box back there went right back out. That means our tithes, God has, has brought us together and used our tithes to partner with effective ministries for the cause of Christ in our city and beyond. So we have multiple partnerships locally, and we have one maybe coming on two internationally that we get to support and we get to be a part of. In fact, I don't know if, if you went last night, but one of our ministry partnerships is ISI, led by David Shelley, and it's international students. And so at, at UNC, international students that are going for their master's and even doctorates come to study, and then they go back to their different cr- countries, and, and we're partnering with David Shelley, and last night they had a concert at Fellowship Church, just with some of the doctoral students that are in uh, music majors. It was phenomenal, and so I'm sitting there just looking at hands going like this up and down the piano and thinking, man, this is awesome. I'm so glad that Dave and that ministry is there to really speak the love of Christ to, to people at that stage of life, and then they go back to their country. That, that's just beautiful, so next year, When they do that again, I'll let everyone know because you got to go. It's really neat. But today, one of the the ministry, it's our new ministry partnership, and I want to highlight it. And I think the best way that we can highlight it is we have a video. And it's just a quick two-minute little video. And and maybe we can turn the lights off back there, Weston, if if, if you got the key to that. And Elijah, if you want to turn on that video and and get that rocking. But this will kind of set the stage. And then I'm going to call uh, my friend Todd Welshup. He's the pastor of Waypoints Church which is in town. We've talked about them multiple times, but we want to talk about this ministry partnership with Waypoints. And the best way, I think, to start this is, is just go ahead and, and show this video. Hi, my name is Dave Estrick. I was a drug addict for most of my adult life. I was living in a condemned house and digging in dumpsters and uh, just living a life that was crazy. So uh, my wife ended up pregnant. We had identical twins. One of them passed away. Um, so that drove me deeper into using this terrible drug called meth. 
started using drugs when I was at a very early age and used it forever, so I didn't know any different. I went to this, uh, I had a friend come over and he was telling me about this church that served food. So I was all about the food because we were tired of digging in dumpsters for canned food. So we went to check out this church and um, we had all these repressed feelings deep down inside about our daughter passing away. And um, one day we were sitting there eating this meal and uh, the pastor was talking about how you find great joy through your trials and tribulations. And it really upset me and I left and uh, made a big scene in the church and didn't want to come back. But I ended up coming back. And it was crazy because people wanted to love on me. Even though I made this big scene, they, they still loved on me. They came over and wanted to be friends and wanted to know my story and where I came from. It was interesting. I didn't understand. Um, I wanted to know more, so I kept coming back and found out they had recovery groups there. And I know now that if I wouldn't have went to go get this meal, then I would have never found out about the recovery groups. And I am now six years clean because of going to church and eating a meal. Through this church, I've actually uh, learned accountability, stability, and integrity. Um, they showed me how to live a life without drugs, and uh, I ended up actually living in, in the basement at Waypoints, or a house next to Waypoints, and it was called the House of Rest. Um, I ended up getting a job at Safeway, and I've been, I worked my way up to a market manager in the meat department. I went to school, got my uh, associate's degree in criminal justice, my bachelor's degree in psychology, and very excited now because I'm going to be going to, thinking about going to the Denver Seminary. I know now that I would not be where I'm at today if it wasn't for someone telling me about this meal at Waypoints and eating a meal. I think it's really important to be able to build relationships and have community, and it was because of the meal that got me to where I'm at today. Church Project, it's, it's an honor just to introduce you to my really good friend, uh, Todd Welsh. He's the pastor of Waypoints Church. Uh, we have the opportunity of, of traveling down to Denver Seminary. He's a graduate, but I'm, I'm still studying, so he has a lot to teach me. I'm trying to learn. So we get a drive, we get a drive down to seminary together, and, and I love watching this little video because Dave, David is currently at Denver Seminary as well and studying, and it's cool to see what God has done, but... I'll shut up because Todd's got a lot to say about Waypoints Church. <laughs> well, uh, thank you, uh, Church Project, for allowing me to be here today. Uh, that video is actually two years old, so David has been clean for eight years now. His, uh, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, his wife, Shauna, is, is also clean, and she's also at Denver Seminary. Uh, they're both uh, studying counseling. They want to uh, graduate with master's degrees in licensing in uh, drug and alcohol counseling and then come and work with us to help try to continue to further other people's sobriety and lives. See, the thing that was really interesting, I, I was just uh, uh, back in the back chatting, and um, uh, we were kind of talking about how in the world did you end up uh, in, in a ministry that works with uh, people who, uh, you got to understand about 60, 65% of our community has some sort of addiction past, some sort of criminal record past, and that is not my life experiences. I, I, I have no history in any of that sort of stuff. Uh, and so God totally took me outside of my comfort zone. And, and when we began this ministry, we had no desire to 
you know, necessarily target, so to speak, people in addiction or homelessness or uh, coming in and out of prison. What we did was we just wanted to plant a church Mm -hmm. to love on people and to uh, specifically target people, so to speak, I hate to use that word, but to really focus on on people who had never heard the gospel. And so we chose Tuesday and Friday nights outside of a, a Sunday and just, you know, let's let's go and reach people uh, with the gospel who have never heard it uh, or haven't heard it since they were little. And so we just started loving on people. And about six months in, we decided, well, let's go ahead and start serving a meal so that we can build community within the 30-some people who are, are showing up. And lo and behold... Something happens when you love on people unconditionally, you accept them where you are, and you offer a meal uh, to, to do that. People just come out of the woodwork. It is just, it, it is amazing. And it's not that they're just looking for a free meal, as David said. They're, they're looking for that love and acceptance. And the meal is, is the invitation to, uh, to come and to experience something. So we, we offer... Uh, uh, two free meals uh, a week at 5.45 on Tuesdays and Fridays right before our worship service. And so then we invite people, hey, you know, come eat. You don't, have to, you don't have to stay for the message. Jesus said, feed my sheep, not feed my sheep only if they stay for the message. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I think that's not that, right? Yeah, okay. Exactly. And, um, yeah. and so we just feed them. And, and lo and behold, as you begin to know their name and love on them and build relationships and let them know that you care about them. They begin to want to find out why and they want to stick around and then they will begin to, uh, to hear the message and, and uh, the gospel will, will do, its, do its thing. And uh, David is just one of many, many stories uh, of uh, people just being rocked literally uh, with the gospel and their lives being changed all because it begins with the power of a meal. Uh, so much of the Gospels that we see with Jesus involve food and a meal because something happens when you open your mouth for food, you open your heart and you open your brain. And there's just something powerful about that. And so uh, that's kind of what we do. We don't have any food here today. Oh, well, you got bubble gum. I got some on the way in. So <laughs> I've, I've already handed some gum out. Jared handed gum out. So I think we're all right with that. Um, have you guys, I mean, don't, don't raise your hands. If you've been there on a Friday or a Tuesday, have you seen what Todd's, Dodd's doing there? It's, it's a beautiful place to go. So I encourage you to go. Um, specifically why we're here today is, you know, we just started this partnership and financially a little bit, we're, we're supporting them every month. We want to continue to do more and more. And that's because of all of our ties and, and giving that we can, we can do that. But specifically beyond that, it's so much more than just writing a check and being a part of that financially. We, we say we partner together with effective ministries for the cause of Christ, both financially and relationally. So guess what? Some of you are going to sign up today, aren't they, Todd? We're, we're <laughs> How can so. we partner relationally? <laughs> well, I think there's a couple of things. I mean, it takes, we feed between 300 and 350 people a week. I, I um, thought you said so, 350 people a week. Yeah, that's what we said. Yeah, okay. yeah. And so we appreciate, first of all, financially, uh, the assistance, because that ain't cheap. Uh, no matter how much, uh, we, uh, we have some great partnerships, and I'm just going to give a shout-out to a couple of our partnerships. Uh, Chipotle is a huge supporter uh, awesome. of us. Uh, Starbucks, uh, the Food Bank, uh, those partnerships are, are awesome. very important. So we're able to give these meals for somewhere between 100 and or excuse me, a dollar fifty and a dollar seventy-five uh, meals, yeah. but still you keep adding that Absolutely. up. So we appreciate and thank you uh, for sharing the resources in which God has given this community. Mm-hmm. 
with us, but the other thing is actually preparing the meals. We prepare the meals from scratch every single time. And we have a wonderful crew uh, who comes, and uh, they, they're there anywhere between 1 and 2 in the afternoon on a Tuesday or a Friday uh, preparing these meals uh, from scratch, whatever we happen to got from the food bank or, or one of our partners. Uh, and uh, then it, um, you know, then we serve it. And, uh, and then we got to clean up afterwards. And so it takes a lot of, of manpower. So I want to encourage if you guys want to come and to relationally get to love on these people coming through Absolutely. the line. If you want to just come and hang out in the hallway as everybody's kind of gathering for the meal, you can come and just love on people. Uh, we do name tag night, uh, you know, a, a the first Tuesday and Friday of each month just so we can learn their name so that we can call them by name. Because you can't really love somebody if you don't know their name. I mean, it's just, it's just a basic thing. And so you could just come and you could just love on people in the hallways. You can love on them by actually physically serving the meal. You can love on them by coming and preparing the meal. Um, you can go and sit with them uh, while they're eating and, and come to know their name. I mean, there's lots of opportunities. Awesome. Uh, and so we need, you know, that's, that's what our community tries to do is just to meet people uh, and, and say, you're, you're important, not yeah. just to us, yeah. but you're important to Christ. And that takes one-on-one interaction. And so we'd love to have any of you just come and join us with that. Okay. Here's the direct ask. For our ministry partnerships, in order for them to work, we have to have a liaison. Someone that just beats this ministry. It's their, it's their call. Like they're going to beat it and they're going to talk about it and bring it to us every single week. So maybe some of us, um, one person specifically, God's calling to be a liaison. That would be awesome. Beyond that, um, I'm sure you have hundreds of people that are volunteering and coming every week and you don't need our help. But if you were to need our help, I'm sure he, Todd would use every one of us throughout the week to do that. And so um, I'm looking at our college people specifically. I'm, I'm looking at people out there going, listen, we have time. Some of us, we may not be able to give tremendous resource, but we have time and we can love and we can do that. So church, specifically, here's the deal. It takes all of us moving together. And this is a great ministry partnership. It's the body of Christ. It has Waypoint's name on it. I love Waypoint's. Let's do this thing. Let's, let's move together as one church throughout our community and the world. And so um, Todd's going to be, are you staying? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. T- good. Uh, Todd's, it's his Sabbath day, so he's here. <laughs> okay. Um, Todd's going to stay. He's going to be at the back at the end of, end of our gathering time. And don't wait around. Just go see him. Give him your name. Give him your number. I'm looking at you because you asked last week. Okay. <laughs> do that. Um, and, and let's begin to do that. So thank you for coming. I'm going to ask Bill Jerky. I, I know he wasn't counting on this, but these guys are workout partners. So I'm going to ask we Bill are. Jerky yeah. to come up. And I'm going to ask Bill to pray over Todd, to pray over Waypoints Church. And church, would, we, would you just join silently as we pray over Todd at Waypoints Church and everything that they're doing there? So, Impromptu hey, prayer. welcome. <laughs> and you're welcome. <laughs> you are welcome. <laughs> join me in prayer. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for, for Todd and his ministry, and thank you so much for Waypoints. Thank you for bringing us together today so that we could hear this incredible story of how you and Waypoints and Todd are moving people and helping change lives so that they find you, Lord. And we have the capacity, we have the ability to help and to go ahead and help move those lives towards you, Lord. And, and I pray that we will do that today, that we will continue to help Todd and Waypoints to continue your message to, to everyone here in Greeley and throughout the world. In, in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Todd. You Oh, payback from Bill is going to be vicious. That's all right.
If you will, open your Bibles to James chapter 2, verses 10 through 13. I'm telling you, God's got an incredible message for us today. Uh, I was finishing it up this morning at 4 a.m. Anyone else up at 4 a.m.? I've got a sleeping problem. But I was, I was finishing it up this morning and went on a tangent study that was just beautiful. Um, and, and none of that will make its way into the message today, but it was a personal study that just kind of came from this passage and came from the verses. And I say this quite often because I believe it. I've, I've been preaching, teaching for 15 years now. I don't know how many messages I've given a ton. And I, I, I feel really selfish because I get to get up and teach. And it's an honor to do so. You get to make up words. You get to fumble and say things backwards. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not eloquent. And I say that wrong as well. But I tell you what, I love the moments like 4 a.m. in the morning when it's just me. None of you are there. It's just scripture and it's just tangents that I get to run down. And God begins to teach and mold and shape me and and tell me the message. Let me hear it. Let it land on my heart and and, and on my mind. And I, I wish, I wish, honestly, every single one of us was called to teach up here every single week because we would be growing by leaps and bounds. As personally, we open the Bible and we begin to study it and we begin to see the truth that is in here. And so it's with great honor that I get to to teach us today. So let's read James chapter 2, verses 10 through 13. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder... You have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Amen. Let me pray and then we'll get into this. God, I pray that you open our hearts, you, you open our minds. I pray that all the, all the chaos that we've experienced this week, the things we're thinking about, our doubt, everything that we bring into this room, I pray that we're real. I pray that your Holy Spirit breaks through and teaches us, shows us that you're real, shows us how much that you love us, and I pray that today we can just be open to receive whatever you want to show us. And it's your name we pray. Amen. Hey, as I read these verses, there's so much to pick out, but I'm going to give you the single point that, I have, that I've learned this last week and lifetime of learning here of what I feel like verse 10, 11, 12, and 13 says. Here's the note. Here's the point, the takeaway. It is pretty easy to keep the whole law and you're good. Keep the whole law and you're good. Or, that's your first option, keep the whole law and you're good. Or... Accept the mercy shown you and show it to others. So here's the takeaway. Just just write this down because the whole message is going to keep pointing back to this one. Here's your two options. When you encounter these verses today, it's pretty easy. Here's your two options. One, keep the whole law, all of it, and you're good. Or, accept the mercy shown you and show it to others. That's what James is teaching. He's teaching us here. And it's, it's really the golden rule. You ever heard the golden rule? Keep the golden rule. Found in Matthew 7, 12 says this. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. 
So to set this up, James, in in this time in Scripture, when he's writing the first chapter of James, and we're getting into chapter 2 and moving forward into that, James is writing to a church. He's writing to a people. A people up until this point have had it pretty good. And as persecution breaks out and people begin to judge Christians and kill Christians and beat Christians, persecution breaks out. And so now the church is going out into the diaspora. It's it's no longer in one location. It's getting scattered. And it's through this scattering and through this persecution that the church actually grows. Like we're part of that right now. Thank God that it moved out and it continued to move out. And thank God that persecution happened. Because then the church had to encounter this faith, this real faith. And it had to be lived out in their daily lives. Just like the video we watched, the bumper a minute ago about James. It's about faith matching your works. It's about everything moving together. It's about actually doing what you, what you say you do and, and what you believe. And so James is writing to this church. And he's saying, listen, as things break out in this world, and as a church, God is calling us to move together, I want you to remember something, that how you live is important. That how you interact, even amongst yourselves as a church, is important. And so specifically when we get to this teaching right here, James is saying in our one little short sentence summary that you can either keep the whole law and you're good, or you can accept the mercy shown to you and show it to others. So let's just pretend for a second we're all going to keep the whole law and we're going to be good. Okay, we've never done anything wrong. I know there's a few of us in here like that. We've never had inappropriate thoughts. We've never lied, steal, cheat, all that. So let's just pretend that as a church, we're going to move together and we're going to keep the whole law, every bit of it, and we're going to be all right. Like, it's going to be good. So if the law is the Pentateuch or the Torah, it's the first five books of the Bible. This was given to Moses by God. And we had these these teachers, the rabbis. These are the teachers of the law. These rabbis, because remember, we're trying to keep the whole law. These rabbis develop their rabbinic option uh, or opinion of what the oral law was. And it supplemented the scriptural teaching known as the Mishnah. So, So they write... This Mishnah, okay, these, the brilliant scholars, godly people, the teachers of the law, they write this Mishnah that describes the, the law and it describes their opinion as to what it means for us to live this law and how we should live this law. So we have the Mishnah, Mishnah which teaches us how to live a, a life of sanctification, a life where we look more like Christ today than we did yesterday. So here, we've got the Mishnah. And it's telling us how to live godly lives, which the Mishnah goes way bigger than the first five books of the Bible. So we have the Mishnah, okay? And then we have this thing called the Tosefta. This was developed, and it was brought about two centuries later, and it's three times thicker than the Mishnah. And what this is, it is something that describes and talks about in, co- in commentary, it's a commentary on the Mishnah, which, remember, was written to tell us how to live according to the law. And so we, we have the law, and we have the basic, then we have the Mishnah, and then we have this thing right here. And then 
by, by the way, we're all trying to keep this law. So we have all these books that teach us how to do this. Then we have the thing called the Gemara, which is a commentary and interpretation of the Mishnah because we can't fully understand it. So now we have the Gemara, which is a commentary of that, that teaches us how to live out this Mishnah and all these rules and everything. Uh, let me tell you this. The Mishnah is broken into six orders, 60, 63 tractates, 525 chapters, and 4,224 Mishneos. I need a drink. Get it, take huh, water. Thanks for clarifying. This is clear water I'm drinking right now, okay? Uh-oh. I'm, I'm tired. I'm exhausted just explaining this. I mispronounced everything. It wore me out. Like, anyone else a little frustrated? Like, okay, we've got to keep all this. We've got to keep it in mind. We've got, we've got to go. Our life has got to line up to all this man-made junk that describes love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then man starts to come and begins to say, well, what does that mean? What does it mean to not work on the Sabbath? And begins to just explain all this stuff where it's like, are you kidding me? rules and and checklists of how we're supposed to keep the whole law and so i know some of us instead of just accepting the mercy that's shown to us and shown it to other we would we would rather keep the whole law so let me explain and and keep talking about that actually no let's stop i don't have the energy for it i'm worn out it's not about keeping the law church it's not about keeping the law there's there's no man woman child dog that could keep all the laws It's a whole point. But at the end of the day, there's none of us that can keep the whole law. There's only one that could. This is about a relationship. This is about moving on. And so let's get back to our sentence summary. It's pretty easy. This is it. We either keep the whole law and we're good, or, and this is where we're all going to fall in, we accept the mercy that's been shown to us and we show it to others. Like, because we've broken any of the law, because we've broken just one little piece of that law, we're guilty of breaking the whole thing. And because of that, God says, because you're guilty of breaking the whole thing, you deserve death. Your actions don't line up with the perfect God. But I come in with this word called grace, and I come in with this word called mercy, which says this, no one will be able to keep the whole law, and that's the point. I've sent my son to die on the cross. We're going to celebrate Easter here in a little bit. The son of God who dies on the cross on our behalf and says, you know what? There is a penalty for our sins, not being able to keep that law. And that's called mercy. That's called grace. And James is writing the church. And he's saying right here in this passage, hey, listen in in verse 13. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And so on your own time, why don't you read the verses before? Because remember last week and the week before what we talked about? We talked about how in here, in this gathering, we became very judgmental. According to the early church, that's what they were doing. Someone walked in and they were rich. So we as a church looked to him and said, come sit by us. But someone walked in and had B.O. And we said, stay away from us. All along forgetting that we're the ones with the B.O. And we've been the ones that have been shown mercy and grace. And God has given everything for us. So church, we cannot keep the law. 
Dr. Utley says this, Partial obedience or temporary obedience was never enough to be accepted by God through the Mosaic Covenant. You either kept the whole thing or you didn't. And no one could keep the whole thing. So Jesus shows up on the scene and says, good try. Good try trying to keep all that. You couldn't. You could never help enough old grandmas across the street. Like you could not earn your way to heaven. So Jesus shows up on the scene and says, good try. Jesus came to fulfill the whole law. To fill in our gaps. To stand guilty in our place. So as a son and a child of God, and here we go, as Christ followers, when we commit that adultery, Jesus stands in our place and takes that punishment. When we lie, cheat, steal, and kill, and smudge the truth, Jesus stands in the place and takes our punishment. When we deceive and we don't believe, Jesus stands in the place and takes that punishment. When we murder and hate and envy and rape, Jesus stands in the place and takes that punishment. When we are filled with bigotry and pride and judgment and hate, Jesus stands in the place and takes that punishment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Do you see that in our passage? Mercy triumphs over judgment. And may we not forget, God has been merciful to us. May we be merciful to his church. May we love deeply and never forget how much God has loved and forgiven us. Love wins, people. I'm telling you this. Love wins. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So to this point, James, he is saying, as you grow and mature, and he's teaching us, and he's teaching the, the, the early church, he's saying, as you grow and as you mature in Christ, so shall your actions. Your actions should grow and mature as well, and you should live out what you believe. Hey, all right, let's pause for a second. Some of you, you're sitting on the card. You didn't even see it. Uh, would you go ahead and on your chair, grab this card? It's a white card or black, depends on which side, but look on the white side. Just think about it. Just read it through a little bit. We want to change the way people see Christ, Christians, in the church. Some of, some of us, we've been coming to Church Project for a while. So these are, we have about 100 of them, and they're bookmarks, and we don't even think about it anymore because it's just, it's just there. Like, we don't even notice them anymore. But let's pause on this for a second. We want to change the way that we see, Christ, that, that people see Christ, Christians in the church. Some of us, many of us, a lot of us, I don't know, have been hurt deeply by the church. And I don't even mean necessarily the church as a big organization, but maybe a Christian. Someone that calls themselves a Christian, and then they come, and they just, they're venomous in their words, and they judge, and they say, hey, listen, B.O. man, woman, don't sit here. And we begin to get puffed up in pride, and we begin to hurt. 
And I say this, church, as church project, we want to change the way people see Christ, Christians, and church. Because quite honestly, there's people that are just, I can't say it. I want to say it, but I can't. So I'll do the church version. They're just mad at us. Don't repeat the offense. Don't be so puffed up with pride that we forget what God has done on our behalf and we begin to judge other people and hurt other people and hate other people. Don't repeat the offense. We have deeply hurt others, and honestly, we have deeply hurt ourselves, the church. We hurt ourselves. Would you agree? I don't know if you agree or not, but here's an image that that really describes it. Can you put that image up there then and now? The church is known as the lamb, right? The devil, Satan, known as the wolf. Then, Satan had to attack the church. Now, the only way I would fix this is, by the way, on the now, I would, I would still have the wolf in there, but he'd be in the back sitting in a, in a comfy chair smoking a cigar, still orchestrating this whole thing, looking. But, but he doesn't even have to attack us anymore. Satan doesn't even have to attack us. We'll do it to ourselves. And we'll do it to the world because of our bigotry, because of our judgment, because of whatever. And James is writing us, and he's saying, listen, church, don't forget what you've been forgiven of. And don't turn and repeat the offense. Let our actions line up with what we believe and remember what God has done on our behalf and may we go and love the church regardless of what religion they are what they look like what color they are regardless of their social economic status regardless of what country regardless 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 we are called to love let's not repeat the offense and James is looking And he's talking to us, and let's look at our scripture, James chapter 2, verse 10. For whoever keeps the whole law and fails at one point becomes accountable for all of it. None of us can do that. We can't keep the whole law. Verse 11, for he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery and murder, but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So church, verse 12, so church. So speak and act as those who are being judged under the law of liberty. For judgment without mercy is one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. If we break one law, we've broken it all. And the problem that James is talking to the church right now is this. He's saying, you've forgotten how much you've been forgiven of. And so you're beginning to judge other people. What a little sin. What a little sin. That you repeat the offense. You begin to judge. Church, let's not do that. It's not about, when we talk about our life reflecting God more and more, it's not about whether we get caught or not. Our actions and what we do. It's not about whether we'll get caught or not. It's about mirroring a life of Christ, even when no one is looking. Mirroring a life of Christ, reflecting Him, becoming more like Him every single day. Church, is that your aim, to reflect Christ every single day in what we do and what we say and how we love? 
Let's not eat each other, and let's not eat the world. Let's reflect Christ in everything that we do and say. Amen? Here, I'm going to jump down, because that took a lot longer than I thought. But I think it's pretty good. What do you think? 2 Corinthians 5.10 says this, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. And James' teaching and 2 Corinthians teaches that here, here, here's the deal. Like, we, God's given us a lot. He's forgiven us of much. And as his church, in James it says, faith without works is dead. Is our works matching up with our faith? What we believe, everything that's happened in our life, our attitudes, our ability, our ability to move and to grow the church and what God has given us in our spiritual gifts. Are we contributors to the church? Are we a moving part of what God is doing? Ask ourselves this question. How are you making disciples? Not Aaron, not, not church project. How are you making disciples? How are you, as someone that's been given, forgiven of so much, how are you turning and showing that love to other people? And what part of this body has God called you to be? I want to say that, and I'm going to pause on that. What part of this body has God called you to be? See, each of us moving together is beautiful. Because God has gifted you deeply. There's people that are praying for church project more than I am. Good, please, pray, pray, pray. There's people that are leading house churches that I'm not. Good, lead, lead, lead. And what is God going to do when every single one of us comes alive because we're loving and our, and our works is matching our faith and as a body, we are moving together. My prayer is this. As church project right now, we're growing a little bit. Have you noticed that? I mean, even numerically, we're, we're growing a little bit. Next week, by the way, is you won't find a seat. I'm just telling you. This whole half of the section is going to be the Havens family. Grandpa, is, he turned 90 last week. He's going to be preaching next week. So I'm telling you, you won't find a seat. We're going to have Weston. Do we have more chairs? We're going to have to bring them in. So come early. I don't know what to tell you. But we're growing numerically. And part of that is we need to grow as an organization as well. That means our house churches, they're in a bad spot, but they're in a beautiful spot. Like every single one of us should be in a house church. And I'm praying that here in this, in this body that God gives us deep conviction that we can't not be part of a house church, that we can't not stand up and lead it and say, I'm going to lead a house church or ministry partnerships. Or Here's my prayer is that we, every single one of us, we would step up and we'd be an active part of this body, church project, moving together as we push back the gates of hell in Greeley, Colorado. I'm about this. Are you? Let's do this thing. Let's move this thing. It takes all of us. So don't sit back and wait for your church to move. Go see Todd. Say, I want to serve. Come and knock on my door. Ring my doorbell. Call me. Email me. Say, let's move. God's telling me something. Let's do it. Church, let's do this thing. I'm praying that we'll have deep conviction that God will wake us up at night. We won't be able to sleep. I'm also praying that that conviction matches our capacity. Because the message that I read today in our one-sentence summary is this. It's pretty easy. 
either keep the whole law and we're good, which we've determined none of us can, or our second option in this passage right here is accept the mercy shown to you and show it to others. It's a message. It's all I got. I'm going to ask us, if we would today, um, to really think about what God is, is prodding us in this message and in this word. I also want to make an announcement that Bill Jerky, can you stand up? Uh, and Jim Dalton, can you stand up? Um, Dalton's. Um, we're casually, you, you can see either one of these men afterwards because we're casually just seeing what God may have for us, even as house churches. And so this week, at Wednesday, um, at 6.30 at one of their houses, maybe your house, your, you figure that out. Um, we just want to see what God may be doing. Could he be doing something here as, as, as far as a house church in the LaSalle area? We need it. We need it. We're not going to say we're starting one yet, but that we could be. And so see one of these men after church project, and let's talk about what that might look like. So if you're in the LaSalle area and you're not part of a house church, see one of them after the message, and, and, and we'll see where that goes. Thank you guys for standing up. Um, Todd in the back, the good-looking dude back there, make sure you go see him and say, I'm ready to serve at the soup kitchen and waypoints right now. Like, let's get involved. Some of us, though, God is telling us other things. Here's my prayer is that we're a church of action. All of us. I'm tired. This is as far as I'm going to be able to lead our church. It's beyond me. It's tapped out. But I look around at capable men and women, and I don't know what the future holds, but it's beautiful. I believe in this message. It's changed me. I accept this mercy, and I want everyone in Greeley to hear it. It's not about the laws. It's not about doing and doning. It's about loving. Let's do this, church. Let's do this. Yeah. You can you if you want you want to start low. That is an emotional response, but it comes from a knowing how much God's loved you. This church, it's an honor to lead with you and do this with you. Let's 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 do this thing together. Here in a minute, we're going to do communion, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna ask those here in a minute that if you have kids and project kids, if you would like to go get them and come back. And let's do communion together. Then let's do that. Um, some of us, we may be slipping out because we're right at our hour mark and you've got places to go. Okay, go. Um, some of us, though, we're going to stay here and we're going to continue to worship. We're going to do communion. We're going to remember how much we've been forgiven of and we're going to mark in a, march in accordance with God's word as we take communion and remember what he's done for us and, and how we've needed that sacrifice. And we're going to do that together as a family. So technically what that's going to look like is we're going to pass the grape, ju- or the grape juice by. If you'll grab one of those grape juice things and hold it. Then we're going to pass the bread by and grab one of those and, and hold it. And when everyone's been served, We will do communion together, and Weston will come up and lead us in this beautiful act. So church, here's what I would like us to do today. 
if you would, just close your eyes and close your Bible, close your notes, and, and really just get contemplative. No doubt, there's people in this room right now that doubt God's existence, that doubt who He is, His goodness, as we look around the world and we see hate and hurt and all that stuff, no doubt. I believe in a God that can overcome that doubt. It may be a lot of wrestling. And I'm not telling you not to wrestle, I'm telling you to wrestle. Wrestle with those hard questions because at at the end of the day, I've been in this a long time. There's truth in this. If you're sitting in doubt right now, would you just be honest? Say, God, listen, quite honestly, I don't don't even believe any of this stuff. I've been hurt so deep by church and Christians, and why would I even want to be part of that junk? God's big enough to show you who he is. All we can do is just say, God, show me who you are. Show me through actions, through love, through weird things. Like, let things just coincidentally happen in my life that points to your grandness. And simply as, as me, Aaron Havens, I would just ask you, walk boldly into that unknown with God and explore him. He will show you who he is. He will show you. If you embrace it honestly, truly seeking he'll show you there's others in this room where we're we're just I don't know our thoughts are going a thousand directions maybe from our actions or lack of actions and God has shown us beautiful things here's what I want you to hear from the bottom of this message is this wonderful word, word called grace it's not about doing or not doing it's about accepting this love message called grace that our actions could never ever mount up to God so he comes in and gives us mercy love and grace and says because of that you're enough end of deal you don't have to lift one finger do one thing beyond this I love you for who you are and we need to sit on that because we've been thinking our actions are are just stellar enough to get us into heaven no it's not about our actions some of us need to sit there for a while Some of us may need to stop trying. Others of us in this room, though, God may be kicking us in the tail, saying, you know what? It's time for your actions to match up with your faith. I have equipped you. I've given you so many talents and abilities. I want you to rock Greeley, the world. I want you to move and do. I want you to lead a house church. I want you to go on a mission trip. I want you to be a a part of this body as we move together. And I would stand here and I would say, church, let's do this thing. So quietly with yourself and God, would you just commit your actions to him?